I'm going to read to you from Mark 4, 1 to 8 and 13 to 20. You may know this story very well, but I think it's helpful for us to read over the scriptures so we're familiar once again with it. So if you have your scriptures there, it'll certainly be on the screen. Mark 4, 1 to 8 and then 13 to 20. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in, on it, sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now going to verse 13 now. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. All right, so today we conclude our series, The Power of a Quiet Life. Uh, We're going to discuss how to confront and reduce the noise in our lives so that we can focus on God and grow in Him. And I think you'd all agree we have plenty of noise in our lives. And appropriately to talk about this, we're going to look at the parable of the sower here in Mark chapter 4. It's a parable that Jesus spoke to a huge crowd by the lake, as we just mentioned in the reading. In fact, the crowd was so large, the scriptures say, he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake in order to teach them. So you can visualize there's so many people. He's so crowded that he has to get on a boat so he can see them and speak to them. So as you can imagine, there was quite a diverse audience that came to hear Jesus. And so he tells them all some parables, stories to illustrate moral or spiritual truths. And in one of those parables, he speaks to the crowd all about the importance of how to receive the gospel, God's word. How to receive the gospel, God's word. Now, in this particular story, Jesus tells us about a farmer who represents either Jesus or a preacher here. And this farmer sows a seed, which is the word of God, the gospel. Uh, And he sows this gospel seed everywhere over all types of soil so that it might have maximum potential to take root, to grow, and to reap a harvest. Now, the different soils are different people. Some people are like hard soil along a path. Their hearts are hard, so they hear the word of God, but they don't receive it. They're not interested. And perhaps you've spoken to people like that about Jesus too. It just seems to be a blank wall. So Satan quickly snatches the word away from them, and it can't take root. 
Others, like shallow rocky soil, who at first receive the gospel with joy, but when trouble and persecution come, they quickly fall away because they have no root. Again, you may have friends who have seen to respond to the gospel and received it with joy and seem so on fire for Jesus, but then quickly, when trouble comes, they fade away, they fall away. Again, others are like thorny soil. When these people hear the gospel, they seem to make good progress at first. But the word is choked out by the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. So they don't bear Christian fruit. These people may really like the gospel. They may even wish to obey it. But they don't give it a chance to bear fruit because they allow other things who truly come to Christ. They are the good productive soil. These people are open and receptive to the gospel and so the message gets through to them and it's seen by the fruit that comes out of their Christian lives. So in short, the whole parable asks us this question. How do you hear? How do you hear? Do you hear the gospel, receive it wholeheartedly and respond with fruitful obedience or not? The parable tells us the only clear evidence that you've heard God's word rightly is if you go and bear Christian fruit in your life. That's real saving faith. James says it like this, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Now, this should certainly be a challenge to us all. Am I truly a follower of Jesus? If not... If our fruit is not in line with who Jesus says we are, sure, not perfect, but we're not exhibiting fruit, then we must repent. We must turn away from our sins, those things that are holding us back from God. And we must believe the good news so that we might be forgiven and be filled with the Spirit so we can produce Christian fruit in our lives. Okay, so that's a summary of the parable. But is that it? (laughs) I thought we were talking about confronting and reducing the noise in our lives so we can focus on God and grow in Him. Ah, well, we're going to talk about this right now. You see, as Christians, as good soil, even though we've received the gospel and we're seeking to obey it in our lives, at times, thorns can try to come in and ruin our soil. And let me tell you, when thorns start taking residence up in your garden, They can not only choke the plants, but they can cause a whole lot of noise in your life. What do I mean by that? Thorns causing noise. When I think about thorns, usually I think of no noise. (laughs) They just sit there. How do they create noise? Noisy thorns. How do they create noise in your life? Well, Jesus said thorns in our lives can be the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, right? Okay, so let me ask you a question then. Do your worries or your money and assets and the stuff that you have or your desire for other things, things you really want, make much noise in your life? Do these things ever bother you or keep you up at night? Do worries ever bother you or keep you up at night? Do uh, your finances, your job, your assets ever give you concern? Do desire, a kind of desire, a yearning for other things, distract you at all? I mean, if we're honest, all of us are affected by this, aren't we? All of us, if not at least by one of them, uh, can find that this noise in our lives can be deafening at times. 
These things can create a huge ruckus in our lives that can take us away from Jesus and His plans and purpose for our lives. So how do you bring the noise down so you can focus on God and grow in Him? Well, first of all, you need to set aside your distractions. Set aside your distractions. And as we said, a major distraction for our faith can be the worries of this life, or put another way, the anxiety rising out of these times. I really like that way of saying it, anxiety rising out of these times. We live in a time that can cause anxiety, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it seems whether we're watching the news and just maddening things happening in our world, or the spiritual state of Australia, or uh, situations where even today, when you're driving along the road, sometimes people will get out of their car. And Did you see this recently on the news? A guy got out of his car and started punching a guy repeatedly through his window. And when we live in troubling times, there is anxiety in these times. In other words, when we talk about this, any of those things can be distracting for us from the really important things like God. Now, Jesus puts it like this. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, there are a whole lot of things you could worry about or be distracted by. You might be sitting here completely worried about something else and not listening to me. (laughs) Okay? Now, you might be worried about a number of things. It might be family. It might be a relationship. It might be health or work. It might be about the spiritual climate in Australia right now. It could be a, a, a variety of things. But Jesus is trying to say to us here, don't allow these worries or commitments to slowly choke you and distract you from Jesus. And that's what they do, don't they? They don't take you away from Jesus at once, but they chip away at your heart and chip away at your mind until you find yourself, you were once here in your relationship with Jesus, and now you seem so far away over here. And you think, how did I get here? So we must not allow these worries to impinge on our time with God or coming to church or serving Him. No, we must not let them drive us away from Jesus. Instead, we must let them drive us to Jesus. We must let these worries drive us to Christ. After all, again and again in the Scriptures, God promises to be with us and to help us in our struggles. And I'm going to just list off a whole bunch of amazing verses that talk about this. Certainly not comprehensive, but have a listen. In Joshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, in the context, Joshua is told to meditate on God's Word and fill his mind with that, and he will be successful. But what's the point? Why shouldn't he be afraid? Because the Lord the God, our God is with him. Or this, in Matthew, then Jesus came to him and said, this is, so this is our job, this is our mandate. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We shouldn't be distracted from this. We can focus on it. Why? Because surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So God is with us. Remember Psalm 139. We can't flee from Him. He's wherever we go. Or what about Matthew 6? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? So all our needs, the daily concerns we have. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So put God first, seek Him first, and He'll provide for your needs. Or this in Philippians, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about 
everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, my point is this. We should run to Jesus, not from Him, because only He can truly help us overcome our worries and set aside our distractions. We run to all sorts of things to try and give us peace, don't we? The world runs to all sorts of things. But does, but does the world have peace? No. How do we find real peace? How do we reduce the noise in our worried lives? Through coming to Christ, giving our burdens to Him, reminding ourselves of the truth that He'll never leave us or forsake us. He's with us. He won't abandon us. And giving our worries to Him and leaving them with Him. Now, sometimes that might involve getting good Christian counsel, having people that we can bounce off and, and can give us good Christian advice that can help us with our worries and concerns. It might even involve a Christian counselor. But what it certainly means is we come to Christ and His Word, and it is there that we can leave our worries at the cross. Because He's dealt with it, right? The problem is we keep picking things up. <laughs> We've got to leave it with Him. Now, if you do this, if you leave your worries setting aside your distractions with God. You can reduce the noise in your life and focus better on growing in Him, no matter what the circumstances. But how else do we do this? How else do you bring the noise down so you can focus on God and grow in Him? Well, secondly, you need to focus on the eternal. Focus on the eternal. Now, this can be a... I, I, I'm going to really focus on this. This can be a real challenge for us in our affluent materialistic society. The society that says, I want and I want it now. That's the society we live in, isn't it? I mean, if you want to talk about confronting the noise in your life, we're constantly bombarded from the outside with the endless message saying, you need this, you want this, you must have this, you're worth it. <laughs> Which is really about being selfish, right? <laughs> I mean, you should hear my kids when, when they watch toy ads on TV. Every ad, Daddy, 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 I want this. That, they might have, like my daughter, like dead set, probably has like 20 dolls, but she sees a new doll on TV. Daddy, I need that. I mean, kids are honest, aren't they? <laughs> but that's how a lot of us can be too, can't we, in our hearts. And sadly, inside us too. We also seem to have this inner desire and struggle that wars inside us that says, yes, I need that. I want that. I must have it too. I'm worth it. <laughs> and it might be a new phone, a new car, a new whatever. <laughs> now, does this ring any bells to you? <laughs> we all have this inner struggle to some degree. <laughs> You see, the reality is our affluence and materialism can be the most significant obstacle to us focusing on the eternal and being of any real use to God. Our affluence can be a noise that can choke our faith. Jesus puts it like this. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Well, Jesus is naming the elephant in the room, and that is our wealth can deceive us. Why can our wealth deceive us? Well, because our wealth can give us a false sense of security. Why do you think there's such a bleakness of the gospel when it comes to the northern suburbs of Sydney? Because people are so comfortable 
Why would I possibly need Jesus? We can become too comfortable, too complacent and unfruitful in our faith. We find ourselves focusing on relying on our wealth rather than on God. In fact, when we rely on our wealth rather than on God, Jesus says it chokes the word in our lives, making us unfruitful. So Jesus challenges you and I directly saying this to us. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The question Jesus asked us here is, is the world or God your treasure? Is your treasure found here on earth or in heaven? And which treasure lasts? Which treasure lasts? Now, let's be honest. Our hearts and actions tell us the answer to these questions, don't they? Our hearts and actions tell us the answer to these questions. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You see, sadly, the fundamental error that many people make is they choose the world for their reward, not God and heaven. People choose the world for their reward, not God or heaven. And Christians are not immune to this either. Now, if God is bringing some level of conviction to your heart now, if you're thinking, you know, there are elements where maybe materialism is a bit of an idol to me, let me ask you, what are you going to do to get your priorities right? To focus on the eternal? to confront this very loud noise in your life. Well, let me give you a bit of guidance here because I think it's helpful to list what Jesus was and wasn't prohibiting here. What Jesus was and wasn't prohibiting here. Firstly, Jesus doesn't ban possessions in themselves. Biblically, there's nothing wrong with having possessions or personal property. There's nothing wrong with having a house. There's nothing wrong with having a car. Secondly, saving for a rainy day is not forbidden here either. On the contrary, God's Word praises the ant for storing in the summer the food it will need in the winter. And the Scriptures declare that any believer who makes no provision for his or her family is worse than an unbeliever. And thirdly, the Bible tells us we should enjoy the good things our Creator has given us. He wants us to enjoy the good things He's given us. So having possessions, making provisions for the future, enjoying the gifts our good God have given, has given us, are not included in the ban on storing earthly treasures. But what then was Jesus prohibiting when it comes to storing up treasure on earth? What is he prohibiting? Well, Jesus was forbidding us, his followers, from selfishly accumulating goods. Notice Jesus' words again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, don't chase after an extravagant and luxurious lifestyle. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. And don't be so hard-hearted that you don't feel and respond to the incredible need of the world's most underprivileged people. If our wealth was distributed evenly throughout the world, there would not be poor people. There would be enough resources. And don't believe the foolish idea that life is all about what you own, thinking I'm all that because I have this. Don't be so selfish and worldly-minded. 
Instead, do store up treasures in heaven. Do store up treasures in heaven. What do I mean by that? Well, anything we do on earth that has an eternal impact will be rewarded. Anything we do on earth that has an eternal impact will be rewarded. So we should use our money for Christian causes to help the poor and needy holistically. We should invest our finances and resources into gospel work, both in the church and outside the church. We should, through prayer and action, introduce others to Christ and His love. We should develop our Christian character and get to know God more and love Him better. And all these actions have eternal consequences. This is what we should do. We should make an investment investment that lasts. Now, you've seen those MLC superannuation ads. They talk about building your little nest egg. Well, even if you have the best nest egg, and, and certainly we should be wise. We've said that with providing for our family. You can't take the egg to heaven with you. Our lives, 70, 80 years, really quite short in comparison to forever, don't you think? So how are we investing for our future? Are we trying to get a little golden MLC egg? <laughs> or are we actually trying to invest in forever? We should invest wisely, should we not? So if you want to be of real earthly use to God, then focus on the eternal and doing things that last. Then you will be fruitful and you will dramatically reduce the selfish noise in your life that says, I want, I need, I must have. You're worth it. <laughs> Perhaps we can take a page out of Billy Graham's book, who focused on the eternal, not on earthly treasures. A man who was a great witness to others. Have a listen to what Muhammad Ali said about Billy Graham when he visited Graham in his home in 1979. Have a listen to this. And I quote from uh, Muhammad Ali. When I arrived at the airport, Mr. Graham himself was waiting for me. I expected to be chauffeured in a Rolls Royce or at least a Mercedes, but we, but we got in his Oldsmobile and he drove it himself. I couldn't believe he came to the airport driving his own car. When we approached his home, Ali continued, I thought we would he, he would live on a thousand-acre farm and we drove up to this house made of logs. No mansion with crystal chandeliers and gold carpets. It was the kind of house a man of God would live in. I looked up to him. Isn't that great? You want to be like Billy? You want to be like Jesus? Then ask God to help you get your heart right. Because our heart always follows our treasure. And our treasure should be in eternity. When we get our treasure right, that will bring the world's noise down in our lives. We won't get caught up in the rat race. Finally then, how do you bring the noise down in your life so you can focus on God and grow in Him? Well, it's not about just about defense, it's about offense. You see, the way to bring the world's noise down is to turn God up. <laughs> and you can do that when you are or be receptive to God's Word. When you be receptive to God's Word. You see, when our hearts are open and receptive to God's Word, rather than hard or shallow or preoccupied, then we become fruitful, productive Christians. 
We don't just listen to God's Word then. We do what it says. And the Christian fruit that comes out of our lives bears witness to our real and genuine faith. As Jesus puts it, Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the Word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. It is a fruitful crop. Of course, this begs the important question to us. Are you receptive to God's Word? And how do you become receptive? If you think, I don't know how receptive I really am. In answering this question, obviously God needs to open and soften your heart, right? But from our side, we have the responsibility of getting our heart right towards God too. You see, when your heart is not right, you won't receive the seed of God's Word right, will you? So we need to ask God to change our hearts by His Spirit. And we need to spend quality time in His Word, developing our relationship with Him. And if we do this, our hearts can become right. And we can receive God's Word right. And this will produce Christian fruit in our lives. It will be a natural outpouring of our lives. But after all we've said, what is this Christian fruit that will produce in our lives? What is this fruit? Mangoes and watermelon? <laughs> no, the fruit spoken of here is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit like repentance toward God. Faith toward Jesus. Holiness in your life and character. Prayerfulness, humility, generosity, spiritual mindedness. These fruits are proof that the seed of God's word is doing its proper work in your soul. And when you start living by these fruits as a receptive Christian, receptive to God's word, then the noise in your life fades into the background. <laughs> so today we've asked the question, how do you confront and reduce the noise in your life so you can focus on God and grow in Him? Well, the answer is simple. One, set aside distractions like the worries of this life. Two, focus on the eternal, investing in what lasts. And three, be receptive to God's Word. If you do this, you will become a fruitful Christian and dramatically reduce the world's noise in your life. Why don't we pray and ask God to help us with this? Lord, we are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for Jesus. And today we want to ask of you that you will help us to set aside the distractions in our lives, the worries that burden us, hold us down, take us away from you at times. Help us to stop running to other things to deal with our worries, trying to deal with things in our own strength. Help us to run to you, Jesus, who promises to give us peace, who promises to be with us in the trials, who promises to provide for our needs. You only ask that we seek you first. We pursue you. So help us to do that. Lord, we also pray and ask that you would help us to focus on the eternal, that we would invest in what lasts, not focusing on building a little nest egg now, though we ask that you'd help us to be wise with our finances, but help us to invest in what really lasts, in our eternal hope, in what makes a difference in people's lives and our own. And Lord, we ask too that you would help us to be receptive to your word. And in so doing, that we would be changed people and that we might reduce the noise in our lives and become fruitful, that we might be those who produce 160, 30 times what is sown.
And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.